Southwest Arkansas is experiencing another population boom, with an estimated 80,000 more households coming to the area by 2040. But the question is, where are all those folks going to live? Hello, my name is Rusty Turner, and I'm the editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Know the News. We've got a couple of stories coming this weekend about housing in the region and what many experts foresee for the market in the coming years, including higher costs, changes in development patterns, and more importantly, what that all means to you. A little later, I'll preview other content we've got coming for the weekend, but right now the topic is housing. A recent study by the Northwest Arkansas Council said that the cost of residing in in this region is up and may be headed even higher as demand for homes outpaces supply. Questions about how communities will keep up with that demand, including potential changes in the way residential developments happen, uh, are coming up. Uh, Our reporters, Doug Thompson and Stacey Ryburn, uh, will have stories this weekend and next weekend about all of that, and they're both here to talk with us about it. Doug is a veteran reporter who has covered everything from business to politics. Welcome, Doug. Thank you. Stacy Ryburn covers the city of Fayetteville for us, which includes stories about housing, zoning, development, and all things uh, related. Thanks for being here, Stacy. Oh, no. Thank you, Rusty. I appreciate it. And we've got a couple of experts here uh, to discuss it with us. Matt Hoffman is an architect with Miller Boskus Lack Architects of Fayetteville, and he just completed a six-year term on the Fayetteville Planning Commission. Welcome, Matt. It's great to be with you. Thank you. And also with us today is Ward Davis, a founding partner of High Street Real Estate and Development in Springdale, a company that focuses on the development of town centers and neighborhoods. Ward, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to get started with a question for our experts. Uh, We all know uh, that housing is getting more expensive, uh, but what are some of the factors that got us here? And and, uh, Matt, I'll start with you. Yeah, thanks, Rusty. Uh, and again, thanks for having us. This is a, it's a great opportunity to have this conversation. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people sort of theoretically understand the high growth rate that we have. Uh, they maybe are not as great at envisioning what, what that's going to mean physically. So if you're listening to this from Northwest Arkansas, look around you and, and think about the fact that about half of the buildings we're going to need 25 years from now haven't been built yet. Uh, another way of thinking about that is we're going to need to build another Northwest Arkansas in addition to the one that we already have. Um, as you mentioned, you know, we, we have a lot of decisions to make. That's an incredible responsibility. We have to decide how equitable that's going to be, where it's going to go, what it's going to look like. And unfortunately, there's some evidence that suggests we're not doing a great job right now. Um, it appears that currently uh, we're actually getting less dense as we grow. So. Of course, from a sustainability perspective, that's sort of a looming environmental disaster. But as you mentioned, from an affordability perspective, it's also creating some serious problems. Uh, There's an increasingly popular metric nationwide to measure these things called the H plus T index. And what this is, very simply, it's a measure of the cost of housing and the cost of transportation as a a proportion of, of household income. And so you can imagine that as we can continue to sort of sprawl off into the into the netherworlds of, of uh, Northwest Arkansas, we're creating really big issues with people's ability to afford houses, but also people's ability to afford that house and get to where they need to go. Uh, this is obviously a really pernicious problem. It's not, not one that we're going to solve with more highway lanes or electric vehicles. Really, the only way to solve this problem is to create compact, complete, connected neighborhoods where people actually have an option about how to get to work. You know, maybe they can ride a bike, maybe they can 
walk. Uh, maybe they can walk to the grocery store. Uh, that sort of optionality is is really going to be essential if we want to tackle the, the H plus T index problem. Um, Ward, what, what are your thoughts on that topic? All right. So we um, uh, the original question was around housing affordability. What were the, the what were the factors that got us here? Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, when there's a complex problem, there's a complex answer, usually with with uh, a lot of pieces that, that that each bear part of the blame. In the shortest term, and, and we've seen a remarkable run up in home prices in the last five years in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, the statistic you see often is 40% increase in Northwest Arkansas on the price of the median home in the last five years. But what is even more scary and underlying that is hard construction costs have gone up 40% since this time last year, which means, and, and the housing prices are actually lagging that. So there is actually further room to run in uh, new home prices uh, that hasn't been totally uh, priced into the to the market yet. And, the, and the, obviously the primary cause there is supply chain disruption uh, caused by COVID. But uh, immediately prior to COVID and, and, and for good and bad reasons, uh, uh, there was a trade war initiated both uh, with China, which is more obvious, but also with the uh, NAFTA nations of uh, Mexico and, and in particular Canada, which is uh, which have uh, exacerbated the problems caused by COVID. And uh, really, we've seen a um, an increase in construction costs unprecedented in the last in the last year. Um, going way back before that, and, and and we know that we were on an upward trend before the before this. Um, you can kind of Look at a graph of uh, normalized per capita income in the U.S. and normalized a median house, the uh, median median home home cost in the U.S. And those two moved very much in lockstep from the late 60s through about 98, 99, 2000 when they started to diverge. Um, there. Income inequality kicked in in the late 80s, as we all know, but really the home prices didn't really diverge from 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 the income statistics until uh, about 2000. So uh, that's a point in time that bears a lot of um, a lot of study to see what happened then that, that we can maybe that we, we can maybe help fix. You know, one thing that I think is, is interesting about when we look at housing costs, um, if, if you look at just housing costs alone, um, you know, Fayetteville, Northwest Arkansas in general is not doing too bad when compared to, to other national metros. But again, when you do add that transportation cost in there, we're actually less affordable than San Francisco, less affordable than New York City, Boston, Washington, D.C. So it's not just a question of, of how we deliver housing and, and all the all the different inputs that go into that from regulation to cost of materials to every, every, everything else, but it's also got to be about where we deliver it. So on that note, uh, my story is focusing primarily on land availability and, and basically where can we put housing when we try to do this? Um, you know, the, I think the kind of obvious conclusion that you can make that we're sort of seeing around us that I found some numbers to back it up too is that the amount of available land uh, to build, at least in the four major cities, I mean, it's it's shrinking. It's not they're not making more land, right? And the land that is available, I mean, you've got the smaller towns, but that sort of lends itself to this, uh, uh, whether it's intentional or not, this suburban sprawl kind of pattern that we see in these smaller towns. 
you know, neither of those situations is ideal. So, uh, Ward, why don't we start with you on this one? I mean, how do you see just the, the availability of land factor into to these, uh, you know, these rising housing costs that we're seeing? Okay, so um, there are there are layers in there, and I'll and I'll start by saying, um, you know, I was introduced as an expert, and in my narrow world, I am an expert, I suppose. <laughs> but there are pieces that make me different from other developers. Very rarely am I out looking to buy land. Usually, I'm I'm working with a landowner that wants the type of of, of project that I'm working on. So I, I I'm not uh, out looking for land, fighting to buy buy this same parcel land or anything, or anything like that uh, very often. Also, the land discussion can become very loaded. Uh, the, uh, you know, what drives land prices and what uh, drives total house prices sometimes aren't, aren't, the, aren't the same drivers. Uh, for instance, um, in uh, Seattle, which has much higher rent rates for apartments than, than Fayetteville, uh, the instinct is, oh, you're going to go out to Seattle and see a bunch of, quote, luxury apartments. That's what people talk about is the luxury apartments in Seattle. They are not building nicer apartments in Seattle than they are in Fayetteville. They're at, in fact, the exact same quality of construction. The land price is the difference. And the reason is because land price is a residual uh, based on demand relative to supply. And where the supply is artificially constrained is where you start start having issues. In fact, we have a weird issue in northwest Arkansas because you mentioned the smaller outlying towns. We have an issue in northwest Arkansas where land prices are so low that the and regulatory hurdles are so much harder for density that it is much easier to build sprawl in, um, you know, outlying towns than it is to build modest density within the four major cities. So um, so so land cost is a, can be a problem in downtown areas in northwest arkansas but land the the availability of cheap land actually is a siren song that pulls a lot of low density development into the outlying areas yeah i think a, another contributing factor is is just zoning so like if we look at Fayetteville, for example uh i forget the exact percentage is something like uh 67 or 72 something like that 70 something percent of the whole town is zoned exclusively for relatively large lot single family homes and what that means is that you know if if you're wanting to give people the opportunity to live closer into where they work in Fayetteville chances are uh, the only way that they're going to be able to do that is to buy a, a relatively large relatively expensive lot and build a very expensive single family house on it um, obviously you know Fayetteville and, and other metros have tried to to tackle that issue by creating zoning zoning categories that allow for smaller lots to be created. And of course, when you make a smaller lot, you can make a smaller house. And ultimately, the sales price of that house is, is going to be less. Um, but that can get very difficult when, when you're talking about existing neighborhoods and, and working with existing neighbors. Uh, you know, very few people are, are want to see change in, in their world. It's just sort of a, seems to be a universal truism of, of humanity. Uh, especially where something as consequential as someone's sort of nest egg investment in their home is concerned. So our ability to, to infill and, and come up with more location efficient housing is very much hampered by just the, the regulatory landscape as it sits, which, again, 
drastically prefers large lots, large single-family homes, which which do not help us solve the problem. Well, I'm going to follow up on that because here's the here's what I think is the key question. The median out the median cost of a house in Benton County at the end of 2018, okay, just a couple of years ago, was two hundred thousand dollars. At the end of 2020, it was $245,000. And, you know, Washington County is similar and such as that. So I own a traditional home in a traditional subdivision. And as y'all have pointed out, you two have pointed out, this is my biggest investment, my biggest asset. Why do I want to rock the boat? Why do I want to try anything different? Why, if there's a denser, you know, plan or, 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 or development plan or something like that, would I not say, you know, guys, you're trying to fix something that's not broken. Somebody take that on. Doug, this is Ward. I'll, I'll, I'll take that on. And, and what you've done is fleshed out the, um, the conversation that has to be had. If we're going to solve a problem or at least work towards consensus on solving a problem, we at least have to be honest about the consequences. And I don't think that that has always been the case with this discussion. But there is absolutely tension between uh, the narrative that a house is an investment and between affordable housing for, for, for new construction. If we build more housing, it will hold down the price of existing housing the truth it's just the truth supply and uh, so if someone is looking at it purely from an investment standpoint why from why would they ever want another unit to be built in northwest arkansas they want people to be knocking themselves senseless to move to northwest arkansas on as constrained of a supply of housing as possible so that their house will become more and more and more valuable let's just let's just be honest about that mm-hmm. being the consequence now the flip side is um that it becomes very difficult for people making, uh, you know, lower middle. Now we're, we're running into problems with people making meet the median area, median income to own a home. So what you do is you have a, uh, increasing pie in the hands of fewer and fewer people. I, I think there's all, there's kind of a third way to look at this, you know, other, other than just the kind of winner take all versus the have nots. Um, there's a sense that, uh, and again, this is the architect speaking here. You know, I have a belief that we can create communities within Northwest Arkansas that are simply more beautiful and, and heighten people's quality of life. That's not something that we do as a rule right now. It's something that we could do and that we should do, though. And, and you know, just anecdotally, if you think about the, the city of Fayetteville, for example, when we were 50,000 people, we had one Dixon Street, one Wilson Park, one Washington Willow, one Mount Sequoia. And we were able to support all those neighborhoods and, and those mixed-use districts when, when we had 50,000 people. Why couldn't we have two of them when we have 100,000 people? And, you know, given the fact that those places are some of the most valuable places in Northwest Arkansas, I mean, people clearly love living in those areas. You know, why wouldn't we just do that again? Well, it's yeah, I understand what what y'all are are saying in and in interviews we've done. Both of y'all have pointed out that that um if you just let it go, if you go with the if it ain't broke, don't fix it situation, you wind up eventually with it no longer being a desirable place to live. That's the long-term view. But can't I, you both mentioned that it's easy that it's hard to do something different. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the reasons it's hard to do something different is we're in sort of the groove, the single, the large single family home. It's easy to get a project like that through and to do something different. Um, you have to make changes. You have to rezone. You have to do variances such as that. It makes it complicated. Somebody wants to stop you. They've got more handles to hang on to. If I, is, is, is that an accurate uh, summary of what you all have told me before in interviews? I think, mm -hmm. I think that's the I think that's the crux of, the crux of it. You know, um, developers is a larger group. You've got to be one heck of a hard-headed developer to want to develop. Um, uh, in forms that um, that are met most additive to human interaction. So mm -hmm. to do, to develop neighborhoods that are wa truly walkable, have stuff to walk to. Not I don't mean you got a sidewalk that means you can walk that you never would want to, but that are truly walkable <laughs> because they have things to walk to and are beautiful and uh, and are um, uh, very cognizant of how of, of how people re react to their environment. That is is more difficult than building a very much road single family kind of neighborhood. And, um, and as a result, we get, we get more of, um, more of the, of the road single family home neighborhoods. And uh, sometimes you'll hear discussions that'll say, Oh, well, the market hasn't been able to, to fix that. That's what people prefer. That's not true at all. If that is the easiest uh, path, that is the, that is going to be what is pro provided, even if it is less valuable. Um, because the cost and the effort is so much greater to go the other direction. I won't mention any names, but somebody I interviewed was talking to about this story. He said, look, I bought a three-bedroom house because I, could, I couldn't find the one-bedroom apartment I was really looking for. I'm living in a house that somebody with kids, my wife and I are living in a house that somebody with kids really needs, yeah, but it was in the, the only thing I could find in the desirable neighborhood. I've also talked to others who have said, look, people are looking for something different. They just can't find it. Um, not everybody's looking for the same thing anymore, apparently. At least that's what I've been told. So I guess my uh, question here, is this something that each city is going to have to address? I mean, is, is for instance, if, if Fayetteville tries to some, do something different, are people just going to go to Centerton? I mean, you see what I'm saying here. So, so, so Doug, this is Ward again, and then I, yeah. I'm sorry to jump in, uh, Matt, if you, if you mm. wanted to jump on this. But uh, one, one of the things that you'll hear over and over in northwest Arkansas right now is, oh, when people build in downtown, they only build really expensive, exclusive stuff. But if you look at the construction quality, mm -hmm. that's not true. It, that stuff is very expensive because there's very little supply of it. Downtown Bentonville gotcha. is only okay. so big and it's very small. Uh, the stuff that's being built there isn't exceptionally fine stuff, trust me. And uh, But it's bid up because that lifestyle is very attractive to people. In my mind, that's actually, uh, that's not a uh, indictment on downtown development it is a it is absolute exhibit a that there is uh there is a lot of unsatisfied demand for uh living in that type of environment i, I agree with that and and just doug to your to your question about um kind of the, the regional aspect of this i think that's a really important conversation to have and, and certainly 
I, I really do applaud the work of the Walton Family Foundation and Northwest Arkansas Council in, in terms of just sort of the public education initiatives that they've done to bring awareness to these issues on, on a regional scale. Uh, however, you know, realistically, as, as someone who spent, you know, 10 years basically in, in, in city government uh, here in Northwest Arkansas, uh, the, the notion that we're going to wake up 25 years from now and have some sort of regional zoning authority, I, I think, is just something that we don't want to bank on. And so I think that for better or worse, we need to play to the strengths of having a regionally competitive economy. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Fayetteville is a town that you know is well known for caring about sustainability. We put sustainability first in almost every conversation that we have. Uh, several outcomes to that, one of which is that we have a lot of different uh, development regulations that are geared towards creating more sustainable development patterns. Unfortunately, we use those regulations at times to actually push development out of the city of Fayetteville. And this is where you get the race to the bottom effect, where we're actually offloading Fayetteville's growth on surrounding communities that are nowhere near as, as confident at creating sustainable development patterns. So, so the effect is that actually development in North Ar Northwest Arkansas becomes overall less efficient and overall less sustainable. If we took a, a different approach, which, which I think is sort of what, uh, excuse me, sort of what Ward is getting to, which is that what if we made sustainable development in the city of Fayetteville not only the easiest thing to do in Fayetteville, but what if it was also the easiest thing to do in Northwest Arkansas? You know, what if we actually used our goals to calibrate our zoning code and say, this is really what we want, and we're going to create an easy button to make sure that all of our growth goes this way. And even if some of the other growth in Northwest Arkansas comes this way, that's great, too because it, it'll help us it'll, it'll help us move the ball forward in, in terms of our, our long-range planning goals uh you know that's not something that that we've done but um something that i hope that we can do in the future well that kind of leads me into what i want to ask you boys uh i think this would be maybe we'll get a slightly different responses to this question uh since matt you spent so much time on the city planning side of things and ward you're on the more private development side of things. Um, as far as what we build and where, I mean, each of the major cities has their own land use plan and uh, that, that's all fine and well, and they're not exactly zoning plans. You know, they're not the letter of the law or anything like that, but at least it gives developers a sense of like what cities would like to see and where. I mean, having a plan is one thing and making it happen is another. Um, so uh, I'm interested to hear you all's perspective on how do we, get these these uh, things that we want to see built where we want to build them more you talked about sort of the intangible effect of the allure of living downtown and that how that kind of just tangentially will rise the cost of structures even if they aren't truly the you know cat's meow as far as you know living situations and uh you know matt you talked a little bit about um you know <laughs> there's kind of two sides to regulation right there's the heavy-handed side that inadvertently push, push, pushes things out that you wanted and the other side that encourages what you do want to see. Um, so yeah, what, what, what is the approach here? What can cities do um, uh, for on the development side and on the city planning side to get what we want built uh, in the locations that we want to build them? And I'll let either one of y'all jump in there. Where do you want to start? Uh, no. 
<laughs> sure. I want you to start. Okay, no, that's fine. So, I mean, you know, I think one thing that we, we've only vaguely touched on is the, I, I guess, call it political process for how developments are delivered in, in different towns. And, and, and I'm going to mostly speak to Fayetteville because that's really where my experience is. Fayetteville has some really nationally recognized gold standard plans. You know, our, our city plan 2040, which is the town's comprehensive plan, is um, something that I think is and should be the, the envy of communities across the country in terms of its its vision and, and its ideas on, on how to attack these complex problems. The, the problem is, at every turn, we are subjecting plans like that to this insane parody of democracy where we go to public meetings and all too often we as decision makers sit there and and just listen to the angriest people in the room instead of you know the robust planning effort that actually created the, the plans in the first place and so if, if you're constantly listening to you know whatever person who's upset about the thing happening in their backyard instead of listening to, you know, the 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 regional perspective, the citywide perspective, the neighborhood perspective uh, as, as a whole, you're going to get these kind of perverse outcomes that we've been talking about where the easiest solution becomes to just simply uh, abdicate responsibility for, for the growth and, and move it farther out because, you know, as important as, as trees are out, you know, out way west of town, uh, they don't show up to public meetings and, and advocate for themselves. So it becomes really easy to just go tear down more trees out west of town and build another subdivision out there, um, as opposed to, again, doing the hard work that we need to do and having the conversations that we need to have in order to actually solve these problems. I've seen a lot at uh, public meetings. I have yet to see a, an ent from the Lord of the Rings show up and complain about it. <laughs> development project. Ward, what do you think about all this? So so the uh, the city plans uh, from a developer standpoint uh, are, um, I've, I've been sucked into them before, starting with city plan 2025 and now through city plan 2040. Um, and what happens is you very quickly get to where you're, you say, oh man, this is, this is precisely the kind of place that I want to develop. And then you dive into the code and the rules and you realize, oh, it's completely antagonistic to, to what they're trying to accomplish here. It's very easy to get everybody to say kumbaya at a 30,000 foot level. But when it comes to the to the um, the pieces that are required to get from point A to point B, it's the, the rules do not line up with that with that. Or to change the rules to make that to make those those plans the the preferred uh, development pattern for developers that are out there, you know, uh, building this stuff on, on, on a daily basis. If the city plan 2040 calls for infill development along transit corridors and that sort of thing, and the code is antagonistic to it, guess what gets built? The code side. So the city plan, uh, you know, can be can be fantastic, but you've got to make the uh, make the changes in, in the code to make that. Uh, to make that workable and then then there's another piece and this is common to, to, to the vast majority of cities it's also kind of common to, to professional groups and it's kind of harder to fix um even than changing the code and that is uh professionally you have a i'll, I'll talk about the city of Fayetteville. you've got incredibly knowledgeable 
um, and, and very much well-meaning people working as, uh, as city staff, but usually in very small silos. You have tree preservation. It's very much focused on just that, tree preservation. You have uh, the one that, that always gets me is uh, the public safety stuff. So you have um, the fire department that is very much good folks. They, they do they do great work, but they are very very much, very much focused on the danger of fire and being able to get to people and fire in a in a in a um, in a situation where something where a structure is burning, but they aren't thinking as much about how do wider road widths uh, affect pedestrians and how many pedestrians are also killed in the state of Arkansas each year relative to the number of people that die in fires relative to the number of the people that die in fires in rural areas compared to urban areas. So there's you, do, you don't necessarily have comprehensive thinking when it comes to um, when it comes to staff across those silos to get to the goals that are in the city plan. That, that's an excellent point. I actually want to dig in a little deeper and, and give you all a concrete example of this because I think it's so important. Uh, and, and in about 2004, I guess, 2006, maybe 15 years ago, uh, the city of Fayetteville did its first downtown master plan, which, which again was something that, you know, nationally respected and really spurred downtown plans across Northwest Arkansas and across the, the state. Um, a, a lot to, to, to admire about that plan. Nowhere in that plan did it say we should build $500,000 duplexes on every available infill lot. It didn't say that anywhere in that plan. Um, of course, duplexes were allowed, as as were a lot of whole, lot, you know, a, a lot of other much more productive land uses, um, and and you know that was that was sort of the, the idea is okay, we're going to use this downtown plan to to allow all of the things that we'd really like to see. Unfortunately, what nobody foresaw is is a few years later, uh, Fayetteville came in with what we sort of thought was a narrow code change aimed at. Uh, fixing some drainage issues in, in our town. And so we came up with this new drainage manual. And what that drainage manual effectively did is it made everything other than duplexes incredibly inconvenient to develop, both in, in, both in downtown and everywhere else. So, you know, basically all of the good work and the goodwill that went into that downtown master plan was subverted <laughs> by this other narrow code change that came in a few years later. And, you know, the, the result is, is that we've gotten a fraction of the number of units in downtown that, that we thought we, sh we could have or, or, or that we should have had uh, had we taken a, a more sort of comprehensive perspective and, and gotten out of our silos in, in terms of development uh, regulations. You know, one of our one of our sources. This is Rusty again, and one of the sources in, in our story said that there have been a number of of, of uh, communities in the country who have encountered this this similar problem, and that really none of them have figured out a good way to solve it. Um, one of the things that's unique about our community is the Northwest Arts Council, which has taken a regional approach to 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 help solve a number of problems, or at least address a number of problems in the region. Do you? Uh, do either of you foresee uh, the the council's role in, in 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 what they've recently announced as far as the housing center uh, actually you know making some progress in 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 addressing some of these things because you know 2040s not that far away and uh, those 80,000 households are on their way so um, 
is there a is there a window for the council or or another regional approach like that to 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 help us address some of these these oncoming issues? Ward, do you want me? Do you want to go, or you want me to go? I'll let you go. Um, again, I mentioned the, the Northwest Arkansas Council a, a few minutes ago. I, I definitely applaud the work that they're doing, and, and think that it's really important uh, from a public education perspective and from a, a raising awareness perspective. However, you know, as as someone who you know, I'm, I, I was a two-term chairman of the Planning Commission. I chaired the Board of Adjustments. I've, I've been you know, sort of had, had my hand, hands pretty deep in the, the inner workings of the city in terms of how we, we regulate housing and how we deal with, with these policies. You know, I can just tell you that empirically, I've had almost no touch points with regional authorities over the last 10 years. It's just not something that that's happened. You know, we don't we, we don't have those those conversations uh, in, in our public meetings a, a lot other than sort of individual commissioners saying, you know, well, this is this is uh, an area that's been identified as a transit corridor. We should think about that, um, you know, but when it, I guess what I'm saying is when it comes to actually making sausage in City Hall, uh, there's very little penetration of, of those um, regional perspectives in, into what we're doing. And that's why I think it's it's so important that, that we sort of look at that with with clear eyes and you know what if if uh if this is going to be the uh the, the uh metropolitan equivalent of the eu then you know maybe we should have just embraced that and see what we can do with with competition to create a race to the top instead of a you know a, a drive to the bottom like like we are right now and uh i hate to i hate to be that cynical uh again i, I really uh, i i hope that that changes but um i, I also think that that we need to um, move forward uh, in the best way that we can, given the tools that we have right now. Well, Ward, let me ask you on that topic then. Uh, when you heard about this announcement from the NWA Council about their workforce housing office, they you know, announced a whole bunch of different aspects that uh, you know essentially go to the same goal that we're talking about here. Um, you know, on the private side of things, when you hear that there is a you know regional entity and a nonprofit, and they're going to stick their fingers in the development game and start encouraging a certain type of development does that do you get excited about that like you see that as opportunities or do you see that as you know here's more people trying to tell me what to do i'm curious you know i'm curious to see what they come up with i'm curious about their approach this problem is bearing down on us though um you know so uh a lot of a lot of discussion in forums and that sort of thing you know um I suppose that's 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 good and all but it has to be immediately followed up with things with things that have teeth Matt alluded to, I don't know where the teeth are here um, yet. Um, there are definitely resources available to add teeth to things. Um, and, uh, you know, but but the, um, the fundamental pieces of tearing down the impediments to uh, development variety and, um, and, and, density nodes uh, that put us on a, a more sustainable path and make the, um, you know, kind of the default pattern right now, the default sprawl pattern more difficult relatively. Um, if that doesn't happen, we're going to continue to get more sprawl. Um, I think that it's a, 
that there are extremely um, well-meaning folks in Northwest Arkansas that have tons of resources, but I doubt we can subsidize our way completely out of the uh, out of the uh, out of the situation that we're likely to find ourselves in. So um, I'm, I'm, you know, cautiously curious to see what their approaches are, um, but don't have don't have expectations one way or another. Well. You can read the newspaper and find out what they're doing as they do it. So <laughs> asking, asking everyone. Well, let me close with this one last question. Um, you know, I've heard it brought up at City Hall before. I mean, I've sat in on many a long night at City Hall in Fayetteville uh, with these planning commission and city, city council meetings, as I know you two have as well. Um, you know, kind of maybe, maybe a slight counter argument to what we're talking about here I've heard people bring up is, you know, you all just seem to think that the there's gonna we're gonna reach a, a level, right, a number where we build and build and we keep this dense development going, and at some point, you know, we build enough and the the prices are gonna go down. That we're gonna hit that that sweet spot, uh, a plateau of sorts, and uh, you know the, the prices will will go accordingly. It's kind of a supply and demand, you know, classic structure here. Um, I mean, is it as simple as that? I mean, <laughs> if we talk about how this is a complex issue, um, can we build our way our way out of this problem just on a high level here? Uh, Ward, what do you think? Uh, there are not enough square miles of, of existing downtown in northwest Arkansas to be able to build our way out uh, and provide enough, you know, kind of, of the urban form in the existing downtowns to get us there. Um, uh, City Plan 2040 did something that was uh, pretty interesting and had tiered nodes for um, uh, for um, additional uh, nodes of, of, of downtown activity. Um, kind of instead of having just one one big ultra dense downtown, having kind of a string of pearls kind of situation. The uh, at a very small scale, what it reminds me of is Magazine Street in New Orleans, where you may be walking down the, the road and uh, about every quarter mile is a commercial note of some sort. It may be a two quarter stores at this one. And then the next one, it may be 30 businesses, but, uh, but you have walkability from anybody that is, that is in the surrounding several blocks of, of, of magazine street has access to, um, to, uh, you know, kind of daily needs. And which is, you know, we could talk about, for a long time about how liberating that is for marginalized groups and how um, and how much it enhances people's lifestyle but uh, but but to be able to get to where we need to go we're going to have to have nodes that are outside of the the, the conventional downtowns of northwest arkansas man i think that kind of speaks yeah. a little bit to what you were saying before right yeah no i i think that's i think that's absolutely right another thing that i would say to your question about you know is this possible um you know, if, if you look at the city of Houston, for, for example, um, you know, that's that's a place that in a lot of ways is, is a nightmare from a planning perspective. But, but one thing that they have done over the years is they have created a, a really kind of laissez-faire approach to delivering housing. And as a result, if you look at just the housing side of that housing plus transportation cost uh, equation, they're actually doing really good. Uh, you know, they actually have built their way into into some level of affordability that that is much better than the rest of the country uh, just by supplying enough housing. Of course, the problem is, is as we've discussed, um, you know, 
where is that housing? Well, it's it's farther and farther away from the employment centers, and they're getting more and more underwater uh, in, in terms of both sides of that e- equation. So, um, yes, it's possible to to build your way out of the support of, uh, affordability situation in terms of just just the housing costs alone, but it's going to require some really careful planning and 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 some frankly just some courage politically and, and otherwise to adhere to some of these plans that we have. I mean, City, City Plan 2040, is, as Ward pointed out, is, is really solid in, in terms of uh, how we envision this going down. And, and now we just need to, you know, I, I guess have a, have a strong enough stomach to, to, to do the work that it's going to take to actually get there. I think, it's, I think it's fair to say that developers in Fayetteville don't believe, when they read City Plan 2040, they don't believe that that's really that that there's the that there's the the will to to uh, develop with that pattern, and, and certainly the the evidence would would support that um, that assumption. Much as that pains me to say, that's uh, that's not an unreasonable assumption. It's it's going to take some pretty big changes. Well, we've we've been talking about an hour here, uh, or close to an hour, and we haven't solved the problem yet. So it sounds like it's something we're going to continue talking about for uh, for some time to come. I want to uh, uh, Matt Hoffman and Ward Davis. Anything either of you'd like to add before we uh, we close up shop here for the for the day? No, thank you for the time. Okay, um, I I want to I want to thank you both, uh, Matt Hoffman, an architect with Miller Boscus Lack. Architects in Fayetteville and a former member of the Fayetteville Planning Commission, and then Ward Davis, uh, our other guest, uh, founding partner of High Street Real Estate and Development in Springdale. I want to thank you guys for your time and uh, and your expertise. Uh, I think our, our listeners will get a lot out of this. I also want to thank Stacy Ryburn uh, and Doug Thompson, reporters for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Be sure to check out uh, their stories this weekend and next weekend on the on the uh, challenges of the housing market in Northwest Arkansas. We've got a number of other great stories coming this weekend as well. Mary Jordan will tell us about the Fayetteville School District's upcoming 150th anniversary celebration. Our reporter in the River Valley, Thomas Sicente, talked to some firefighters in Fort Smith who are sleeping in a fire truck bay when on duty instead of the fire station's residence because of an ongoing mold problem. Mike Jones continues his look at Bentonville's bond issue um, this week looking at street improvements. The Razorback men's basketball team takes on Oral Roberts University in the Sweet 16 round of the NCAA tournament on Saturday night. We'll have plenty of coverage of that game at wholehogsports.com. We'll also keep track of the UA baseball and softball teams as they continue SEC play. All of this content and much more is available to our subscribers at nwaonline.com and on the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette's mobile phone and tablet apps. If you're a subscriber, Thanks for supporting local journalism. You're the reason we can do what we do. If you're not, you sure can be. Sign up by hitting the subscribe button on our homepage at nwaonline.com or call us at 479-684-5509. Again, I am Rusty Turner, editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and this has been Know the News. We'll be back with a new podcast next Friday. Thank you for listening.